Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we are exploring a video game, an educational video game, of course, but it's so targeted to what I'm into and the types of products that I try and come across that I'm very, very excited. This is a math video game called Super Math World, and I've seen the demos, I've seen the videos, the walkthroughs, and it looks super cool. Uh, really, really fun. And what I really appreciate about the game is it appears as though it stresses experiential learning in the sense that it's a lot of hands-on activities as opposed to worksheets or things like that. It's a lot of hands-on tasks that actually show you in a, in a visual sense and almost uh, almost a physical sense what number to give you an idea of number sense, how fractions relate, how whole numbers relate all these different things. So it looks really cool, but I want to know a ton more about it. And who better to talk to than the creator of Super Math World. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Charlie Zan Norman, the creator of Super Math World to the show. Charlie, thanks for joining us. Hi, Josefa. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we jump into Super Math World and what that's all about, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into developing educational games. Yeah, so I actually started out my career in sales, uh, and I didn't realize I could do things like video games. I've always been a gamer, um, but I just never really thought about making them. And then uh, once upon one day, I moved to Silicon Valley and randomly found myself at a game developer meetup. Uh, one thing led to another, and I found out that I could make games, and I was actually good at it. Um, and so I found myself looking for, like, what kind of games should I make? And... Uh, eventually decided to start making educational games just because um, I wanted to have an impact. I, I liked learning things, but I hated school. Uh, so I'm looking for something to make that could teach people, um, you know, core fundamental skills that they would need, um, but that's also like a really fun game to play. So you're a completely self-taught software developer? That's right, yeah. That is amazing. So cool. And obviously, that's one of my missions, too. I'm huge into trying to create content to bring education home and education home in fun ways. So that's awesome. And I definitely share that passion. So tell us about Super Math World. What is it? Uh, Super Math World is a playground for mathematics. It's somewhere that you can go to pick numbers up and just like their toys and, uh, and they're like a resource um, it's somewhere where there's there's all kinds of magical entities like um, number hoops and number sheep and uh, bridges that only work um, if you put the right numbers in. And it's a place for you to experiment and, and just try different things out. One of the best feedbacks I've ever gotten from kids playing our game is um, we would ask them, like, what are you doing or why are you playing? And they would be like, I don't know. I just want to try stuff. And that was really the... Um, the crux of what we wanted. Like we wanted to provide a place for kids to just want to try stuff with math. So give us a rundown, give us a a general overview. So let's say somebody logs on to play 
is it just a world where you can kind of do whatever you want or are there missions? How does, how does the gameplay work? Uh, yeah, so it's a linear story. Um, you start at the beginning of the game and there's, um, <laughs> so to be honest, the story isn't, isn't really fleshed out as much. I'm not, I'm not really the storyteller so much. I'm the, the creator of the experience, but, um, it's, it's a linear story that you go through, uh, several different phases of the game and we, we sort of ended up going with um, addition and then multiplication and then fractions. And throughout this, you'll be encountering different um, different entities that sort of ease you into dealing with these different um, mathematical properties. Uh, so like the very first time you encounter fractions, for example, um, you, might have, you might find a half just like lying around on the ground. And the, one of the core rules of the world is that if two things add together, uh, that are opposites, so they, that their sum would be zero, then the thing disappears. So if you find a half on the ground and you find a negative one-half wall, you can throw uh, the ball at the wall and the, the sum would be zero and they would disappear. And so it's very easy to do that. Like there's no, um, you know, there's no difficulty there. Uh, and then we slowly would ramp up into like, well, there's a, there's a half wall in front of you, but there's only a, a negative one on the ground. And there's also this sword that happens to be lying around. And so you can pick up the sword and uh, the only thing to do is chop the number in half, and you realize that by chopping this whole number in half, you see fractions popping out of it. And maybe you don't really understand what fractions are, but it's a way to start getting you using the mechanism of what fractions are in, in a very approachable way. And so this is how we sort of uh, lead you from just putting one and one together all the way up to like multiplying fractions to get a, a, a target number. I saw this in the demo with the sword. So they they chopped the player, the user chopped a two into a one, one into a one half, two one halves, then one of the one halves into two one fourths. How far do those fractions go? Oh, uh, this is funny because um, when we first started making this game, uh, the first version of the game was Math Breakers. I had two co-founders, um, Vivian Tan and Morgan Quirk, on that, uh, and we ran into this problem where if you chopped the numbers too much there would be an integer overflow problem because the, the computer couldn't handle, it was only 16-bit integers. And so if you went to one over two to the 16th, um, the numbers would start getting really weird because the, the computer literally couldn't keep up with it. But that's like, you know, two to the 16th is, uh, I don't know it off the top of my head, but it's six uh, six five five three six I think. So like one over six five five three six um, would start to mess up. But then um, Unity, the, the game engine that we use, actually went up to 32-bit integers. So we're able to make much higher negative numbers now, or fractional numbers now. Um, so the short answer is it'll go really, really far. And, and actually, um, this is something that we would see a lot of players do. They would go in and they would realize that they could keep chopping, and they would just keep going to see how far it would go. And that was really playing into our, um, you know, our desires as, as creators to make... Uh, to make kids explore it's like oh this goes somewhere let me let me see how far i can take this i know as if i if as a game player especially if i were a kid i would that's the type of player that i would be i would see that and i would just want to keep going and going just out of just for fun just for exploration purposes so it, you guys are focusing a lot on it sounds like fractioned integers and how they interact it sounds like with the addition and you said there's there's interaction with multiplication what a, what age group would you say or what grade levels is this game targeted towards 
Well, if we have to pick an age group, I would say 8 to 12. Um, however, I've seen five-year-olds pick this game up and actually get somewhere with it. The main barrier for a five-year-old playing the game is actually their motor skills because it's a very 3D uh, game. And uh, I've seen them actually, um, even even very young kids, figure out how to use fractions in our game because we that was the whole point that we made it so approachable. Um, and I've also seen older kids um, 16, even 18-year-old year old kids that, um, you know, a big problem in education today is that kids will get through the fractions in middle school by just sort of memorizing how to get the right answer, but they don't actually understand what fractions are. Uh, and so we would find a lot of teachers asking us to use the game with their, uh, with their kids as sort of like, a, you know, to brush up or to really understand the fundamentals of something that maybe they passed it when they were younger, but they didn't really understand it. Um, so core is eight to 12, but really, you know, five to however old. <laughs> right. And I get, of course, and I can see this as an enrichment tool to just firm up strategies. We use something at the school where I teach called Singapore math, which is an approach to math that tar- that focuses on that that fundamental understanding of a lot of these concepts, as opposed to what you said, just the memorization and, and repetition. So that's, that's super important. Uh, and you mentioned that, that students are already using it. Where are, where are students, is it, it and I, it's in beta testing, I believe still, is that correct? Yeah. Um, so the product of development is a little bit on hold for now. Um, it turns out that math video games are very difficult to make a successful business out of. Um, and, but to speak about users, we do have users from all over the world. Um, we did a, a Kickstarter campaign for our first game, Math Breakers, back in 2014, or was it 2013? Um, and we uh, we saw interest from people from Australia, Canada, all through Africa, India, Asia, Malaysia, uh, even a few in China, um, and, and also this country called Catalonia, which I had never heard of before. Somehow we ended up on a Catalonia map website and, and got a whole bunch of traffic from Catalonia. So it's really like a global, um, so, sort of the very progressive and adventurous teachers from around the world would find us. Um, and that's one of the reasons we, you know, going into the educational games market, picking math was definitely a strategic choice because it doesn't require a lot of English, right? So anybody, um, anybody can play the game. What have you found so far from the users around the world? How, what have they reported back in terms of their maybe test performances or any sort of things like that that have changed as a result? So the two things I would say uh, are the main results from our game is, um, number one, they do perform better on tests, although I don't have a ton of great data on this. Um, but we're helping them understand the fundamentals of what's going on. Just like what you said before about... Um, moving away from just rote memorization and actually moving towards really understanding the, the mechanism of the concept. Uh, so something like fractions, it does allow them to perform better on tests. Um, anecdotally speaking on that point, I'll, I'll bring up one of my favorite stories, which is uh, we were at a play test event and there was this seven year old kid there. He'd never played with fractions before and didn't know what they were. Um, but he played our fractions level and he was, he saw the half and he chopped with the sword and he got a half and he was like, that's easy. And he saw a fourth and he chopped the half and he got a fourth and he said, that was easy. He went down to eighths, still easy. And then he got to a wall that was seven eighths, which if you're just chopping an integer number, you'll never get to a seven eighths. You'll only get to one over something. So he looked at the seven eighths wall and he was like, 
seven eighths, seven eighths. How would I get to seven eighths? And then he had this aha moment about 10 seconds later, which was seven eighths is three and a half fourths. And I was like, I had to think about it for a second. And it turns out, yes, that is exactly right. And so it's really um, understanding the core composition of how fractions work. Um, the other thing that we, we see a result from from kids around the world is the mindset towards mathematics. And, and this, again, is one of the, the core reasons that we started this game is kids think that they don't like math. They think that math sucks because it's taught in such a way that's like very stress-inducing and very regimented and like do do these problems get them right or fail the test and math is actually really fun to play with if you approach it in the right way um numbers are beautiful there's a lot of really interesting and cool patterns and and things that you can do with them uh and so the main thing that we were we were setting out to do was um change someone's mindset where they feel like it's okay to play with numbers it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to guess or to try new things um, and so we do see a lot of feedback where it's like um, kids would actually create stuff in, inside of our game environment just for fun, just to try it. And, and I, I would say that that's indicative of a shift of mindset away from the rigid, scary, uh, test-driven mindset towards a more experiential and playful mindset towards mathematics. There's a lot of trends in the ed tech world that are, go- that are trying to present math in this way. I just talked to... Uh, couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, the founder of a, of a video game called Variant, which teaches calculus in the same type of way. And I think that it's super important that we go in that direction. There's a great school in Los Angeles called Geffen Academy that is now, they still have a, a standard approach, but one of the key things that they've done with their grading system is they said that any math test that you take, no matter what you get, you are allowed at any time to retake the test for full credit. And I think it speaks to that same trend of taking the emphasis off having to get it perfect right just that right first time or you fail and then taking away some of that anxiety and really putting the focus back on learning actually understanding the material at some point maybe not at the fastest rate and i think that's exactly what it sounds like exactly what you're trying to do as well and it's so important uh, so i'm such a big supporter of that so if as people go through the game and they solve these different puzzles i assume is there some elevation in difficulty as you go farther and farther in terms of the manipulation of the numbers yeah so earlier i mentioned the track is roughly addition to multiplication to fractions um and as you progress on the track we do introduce um more complicated things so i'll just give two quick examples um or, okay, I'll give three quick examples. One of them is uh, during the multiplication phase, we introduced something called a number hoop, which is basically a doorway that manipulates a number as you go through it. So you might have a doorway that's like a times five. And so if you take a three through this doorway, you would see the three would turn into a 15. Um, and you may have to use that in order to get to some multiple of five number that you have to break through. Um, the doorways are also fully reversible. So if you were to look through the doorway the other way, it's a divide by five. So if you took a 15 through the divide by five, you'd get a three out. And so this is how we introduce you to um, manipulating numbers in ways other than addition. Um, another way, uh, or another like more complicated thing that we'll start to show you is number lines. And we do this for both fractions and integers. And the way that we do it is there's actually a staircase in front of you that you have to get up to the next, the next level to proceed. Um, and the staircase is like five elevators that are in a row, and you have to 
um, insert the right numbers like one, two, three, four, five, or one half, uh, one, one and a half, two, two and a half, or whatever the sequence that we chose is. Um, and that lets kids learn about number lines. And it's also, um, it, it's, I can't express how, how I think lucky we were, were to hit on this kind of mechanic because if you're standing in front of a number line and you put the wrong number into one of the elevators, you can visually see that it's like going up to the wrong level. It's too high or it's too low. And that's really able to, um, without any kind of external direction, you can just sort of arrive at the right number. And so we'd see this many times with kids playing with these number lines. They would just figure it out by playing with it. And the other thing is that when you get it wrong, there's no like penalty it's like no you got this question wrong like try it again it's like no you just keep trying different numbers until you see the result you want and then you're able to use it um wh one more thing i'll talk about is uh later on in the game we have these animals that um they would only eat certain types of numbers and so we would have rules about the numbers that animals would eat such as um there are sheep that only eat prime numbers and so you'd have to go through this field of sheep um, carrying your numbers. And if you're carrying prime numbers, the sheep would eat them. Uh, and so if you need prime numbers, you actually can't carry them with you. So we teach about number composition and primes because in order to pass by this field full of sheep, you would actually need to strategically hide your prime numbers. So if you had two fives, those are both prime. You can't carry them past here. So you would need to combine them into a 10. 10 is not prime, so the sheep don't care about it. You can pass through all of the sheep, and at the other side, you can take your sword out, chop your 10 in half, and then you have your two fives back. That's basically data encryption. That's so cool. That's like, you know, when you when you send a message. I, I was just doing an exercise with my third graders a, a week ago. I teach both sixth grade and third grade math groups at a, an amazing private school in in, Los in the Pacific Palisades, and we just, we just did an entire encryption exercise just on that. That's so cool. Very nice. And I, I mean, I'm just imagining, so you, in my mind, because just from the bits of I've seen from the walkthroughs, it's like you throw the fives together, they turn to a 10, you pick them up, and then when you bring them across, you use the sword to chop them in half again? Uh, yeah, that's not a real um, example. It's just one I literally made up on the spot. Um, okay. There are many different animals that eat different types of numbers, and we have these puzzles where you have to pass by, or sometimes you have to lead the animals. So Another one is that if you uh, you can actually hold the five and the sheep will move towards you and you can lead them somewhere. So you're kind of like herding sheep by, you know, having the right number. That's awesome. Do you guys have any plans to uh, once it's released and out, do you guys have plans to move beyond and add on to different uh, curriculums from different grades and so on, different concepts? Yeah, Um you know, math is an incredibly uh, complicated and and uh, there's just so many different things to cover with mathematics. The one, one thing we realized pretty early on was that we were going to have a really tough time uh, making all of them. So uh, I don't think it's possible for, for one small group of people or, or just myself at this point to um, to create all the different things about mathematics from, from addition to calculus and beyond. Uh, so what I'd really like to see is, um, like if there's something that I can do to help the math learning community worldwide, it would be to provide the tools for others to create, um, math games like faster. 
And so that's one of the things that's, that's built into Super Math World is there is there is an editor mode that you can go into, and any kid or, or teacher can do this just by opening the menu and pushing sandbox mode. Um, you can actually create your own puzzles, like, uh, and people have made puzzles that we didn't even consider that you could do. Um, so I think the longer term vision for me, um, with respect to educational math games, is um, what kind of tools can I make? What kind of uh, you know interactions or, or um, platform can I make for other people to leverage to to make make their own stuff? Um, maybe like a math operating system for games or something. I don't know, uh, but I feel like that's the biggest value add that I can have in this space. Well, that is so cool, and I wish you the best of luck in your mission. And like I said, it's a it's a mission and a vision that I also share just in general with moving closer to an optimized math education system. So thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find Super Math World and check it out, where where do they go? Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And guys, again, if you didn't hear that, well, of course, it's a podcast, so you can rewind and hear it again. But if you don't want to do that, and if you want to check out the write-up, go to scalarlearning.com to the podcast section, and you can check out the write-up there. Click the link and find supermathworld.com. Make sure to check back every week for new episodes of the Scalar Learning Podcast. We drop every week. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We've got weekly live streams every Wednesday focusing on SAT math problems, and a new music video is coming out shortly on Exponent. So make sure to keep checking back for that thank you guys so much for joining and i'll see you guys next time take it easy Skinner.